Hi there. Welcome. We look forward to you joining us as we, uh, the Bearded Bible Brothers, have a conversation. I am your bearded host, Josiah Marshall. And I'm your other bearded host, Matt Crosswhite. We like beards. <laughs> we love beards. Yes, we and do. if you if you are not a bearded person, either because you are a female or because you choose to shave your chin every morning, we do not hold that against you. You are still welcome here, but we have beards and we are fond of them. Yes, we are. We are not scholars, but nor are we uh, trained individuals in the topics that we'll be discussing, but... Uh, we are just two brothers who enjoy having these conversations and look forward to you joining us in them. Um, and if you have any negative comments, comments, whatever they may be, we look forward to you sending them in and joining our, in, our, in our conversation uh, in the episodes to come. So, so let's jump in together and start today's study. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Bearded Bible Brothers. I am your bearded host, Matt Crosswhite. And I'm your bearded host, Josiah Marshall. And we are here today to do our final segment of our um, eschatology conversation, our revelation conversation. And today we are going to wrap up this whole series with the recreation. So, Josiah, why don't you, you uh, kick us off with what, is, what does it mean, recreation, and, and where are we going with this? Well, depending on how you write it, it could either be read as recreation or recreation. <laughs> <laughs> Whether or not you add the hyphen. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, actually, to do that, I'm going to read um, Isaiah 65, verses 17 through 25. I think that'll give us a good kickoff for what this is going to be. Okay, you said um, Isaiah 65. 17 through 25. Yes. Okay, got it. For look, I create new heavens and a new earth. Past things will not be remembered. They will no more come to mind. So be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For look, I am making Jerusalem a joy and her people a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and take joy in my people. The sound of weeping will no longer be heard in it, no longer the sound of crying. No more will babies die in infancy. No more will an old man die short of his days. He who dies at a hundred will be thought young and at less than a hundred thought cursed. They will build houses and live in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and others live there. They will not plant and others eat. For the days of my people will be like the days of a tree and my chosen will themselves enjoy the use of what they make. They will not toil in vain or raise children to be destroyed, for they are the seed blessed by Adonai and their offspring with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion eat straw like an ox. But the serpent, its food will be dust. They will not hurt or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain, says Adonai. And, oh, man, it's just, I, as I got excited last time, and as I got a little bit more in date, got a little deep, got a little personal, kind of 
you look back, I look back on it, I'm going, okay, maybe I veered off topic just a little bit, but what else is this going to do, hopefully, than make you excited about what is to come, about what being in the presence of the Lord will be like, and what that's going to mean for us. Now, I've known, I've not experienced this, but I've known enough people who have lost children. And so every time I read that portion, what a great hope that will be, right? Absolutely. Oh, man. But of course, when we look more at scripture, we see that um, we see several pieces. One was when Matthew, when um, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. We look at also in Peter. And I know that for me at one time, the idea of this earth going kaboom, so to speak, and a new one being created, at times it, it really it, it forces imagination, right? It forces you to really think about what this could be. And even then, it's a struggle because you're so used to seeing the things the way they are now. And the whole idea of this all going kaboom is just, at times it feels foreign, right? It feels a little odd that that would happen, that that would be the case. But then you hear, you see these descriptions of the of recreation and you go, wow, okay, this could be really, really stinking cool. But um, I don't know about you, but for me, when I was growing up, I was told that there would be no marriage. Mm -hmm. No marriage. Now, I know that um, in, in one of the more interesting religions in the world is that um, there's the idea that there's eternal marriage and um, they believe that uh, that'll carry into eternity and some other things along with that. So while I don't fully agree with them, I'm, I'm the more you read scripture, you're more you're led to believe why else would there be babies being made? Why mm -hmm. else would babies still be created? So it leaves in the question of going, wow, what, what would this be? Would it creates for me the question of would I still be married to my wife that I'm currently married to? I don't know. What do you think? I've always read that passage that you read in uh, Isaiah 65 as being re reference to the millennial reign. Mm -hmm. Because even in the, the section about those who, uh, youth who die at the age of 100 will be considered having lived a short life. And I'm like, wait, at the end of Revelation, death gets destroyed. It does get destroyed. And so, so how, that's why that was the other piece that was kind of going, I don't know here. Right. So I, I've always thought up. of that as being maybe part of the millennium um and then the the last section about the lion laying down with the lamb just just the other day i heard um a jewish rabbi teaching on that passage and mm -hmm. uh referencing it to his, his take on it was that it's far less about a a um, physiological change of the animals to all become omnivores or uh, herbivores excuse me all become vegetarians right uh, and and more he he cited that each of the animals listed there at the end of chapter 65 um at various points earlier in scripture had been representative of israel's enemies and mm. so basically the uh, analysis being that each of those represents one of israel's enemies that is now at peace with her and peace and shalom will reign across the earth in the recreation. So. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I 
I, I am begging the question though of um if if this is saying quote I create new heavens and a new earth um that would mean that there is a whole new reset it's it's a brand new in in, in every form right yeah that's what we would interpret that as and so even then um one of the things that for me this portion of scripture brings up in thought especially from a scriptural background is eden yes right and so there is this edenic perspective that we would be drawn back into that very intimate setting which right now me and matt are currently listening to a, a podcast we even mentioned it in our last episode um and it, the setting in itself opens up some very fascinating um segues and other things yes. a lot of a lot of side trails but at the same time um when you look at eden you do see the element of um marriage still at work because adam and eve were married before god right mm -hmm. so um and even before so, chapter three when humanity broke everything adam and even broke every adam mm -hmm. and eve broke everything it wasn't good that the man was alone and so he God created Eve, yeah. Right. So how would we go about, and and, and as I've confessed, folks, I'm, I'm not as, as, as versed in, in this topic as Matthew is. So, Matt, with that said, um, how would you distinguish between the millennial kingdom and the new kingdom and, excuse me, the millennial kingdom and the new re re recreation? How would you distinguish those two, especially from what we've just read? Yeah. Um, well. I would distinguish it as the cusp between um, Revelation 20 and 21, really. Okay. Um, halfway through Revelation chapter 20, we near the beginning of the chapter, we read about the first resurrection. And only those, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, only right. those who um, died during the revelation who didn't take the mark of the beast, didn't bow the knee to his uh, false image. Um, mm -hmm. Only only those ones who lost their heads during the revelation are going to be the ones who rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Right. Then after that, um, goes back to our first episode, not our intro episode, but our first episode in this series about the Gog of Magog War. That right. happens after the millennium, before the recreation. So um, chapter 21 of Revelation kicks us into the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem that John sees coming down from the heavens. Th this is where happily ever after starts. And, um, and I think it's interesting because you, you go into 21 and 22, um, and 22 obvious, obvious heavy-handed references back to the garden because it specifically talks about the the tree of life being on both sides of the river um, so so it's referencing all back to the very beginning of Genesis but what if we think back to Genesis and we think back to God specifically formed Adam out of the dust of the earth mm -hmm. and it says he then put him in the garden Adam was not made in the garden right Adam made exactly. Adam and like I always imagine like a, a a cat picks up her kitten by the scruff of the neck. I always imagine like God's giant hand on a on Adam's mm -hmm. shirt collar. 
drops mm-hmm. him in the garden. And what are the instructions? Be fruitful and multiply. multiply. So go tend to the garden, subdue the earth, and 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 rule and reign over it righteously exactly. in justice. Correct. And so right. we fast forward to the end of Revelation, and we see this monstrous. We've already talked about the dead uh, dimensions of the New Jerusalem in previous episodes. Oh but yeah, this monstrously large city built mm-hmm. coming down from heaven. We see. That, that there are no more oceans we see uh, or, or the chaos of the oceans we see that there's no more death no more grave um, that, it, that it's going to be and it makes me think because the, their original um, instruction was to rule and reign and subdue the garden and bring everything under cohesion mm-hmm. and then you see everything happen at the very end it's almost as if no time had elapsed. Like, like right. we get the city that was always meant to be. We get community as we were always meant to have it, as if Adam and Eve hadn't messed up. And the mm-hmm. goal is not to get us back to the garden that, that Adam and Eve were first put in before it was tended, before it was all cultivated. It was alive. It was vibrant. It was wonderful. And God walked with them. But it's right. still... Is still needed to be tended to. Mm-hmm. We get to jump in. The recreation is going to be. It's it going back to that level of peace and intimacy, intimacy and connectedness with each other and with God, but also jumping into it with as things were meant to have been the whole time. Had we had we not eaten right. from from the tree, right? And one of those things is that. Um, and this is something I've thought about for years. And that is this, there, there's, there's this common uh, language used of eternity, mm-hmm. right? And uh, for me, it was always a measure of time that was always right. being measured in whatever language was being used. But yet when we look at scripture and we look at what God is doing, he's outside of time. And some of some of that conversation we've been listening to in, in that other podcast would would also yield to the fact or yield to the more prominent idea rather that um, it's a matter of timelessness. It's the removal of time. So you're not lo- looking at so much the quantity as some of the quality, but even then, it's not even it's not even as simple as that. It is the fact that we are currently dictated by time. Yes. But yet, even scripture, what we've read, what we've read already says that there will be no more darkness. Mm-hmm. So for me, that begs the question of, does that mean that the earth will not rotate? <laughs> or does that mean that the earth will rotate, but we won't measure it anymore? It just, it just, or, it just creates or maybe we'll questions. have, what does this mean? maybe we'll have two suns. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. So it, it creates all these questions, but at the same time, I, I don't think it's something to get lost in as right. much as being aware of some of the more simple ideas being approached here. And that I think is one of them is related to timelessness as opposed to quote eternity, which is still being measured by time. Right. So, yeah based on what I'm reading and based on what I'm understanding, it's no longer that time is being measured at all in this new recreation, but rather that there is no time. Exactly. 
Exactly. Which, and we see some of that in Revelation 21, where it right. talks about um, the new city has uh, three gates on each cardinal direction oh. on each mm -hmm. side, and that the gates never close because, um, because gates close at night in order to protect the residents of the fortified city. But right. the gates never close. There's never going to be night, and that's that's not the that's not just an allusion to there being no night. It specifically says there they have no need of of light or a sun because light will radiate out from the city from from exactly. the king who dwells in the city with them. Mm -hmm. And I think you know one of the one of the frustrating parts I'll, I'll touch on this one of the frustrating parts about scripture is that it's not chronological <laughs> and so that can create some issues but then we have to think of it as a jewish document because even jewish documents they're not necessarily looking at the timeline being chronological as much as making a point such as you see with right. the book of judges um but um even then when you look at these words uh, in verse 25 of chapter 21 of revelation um its gates will never close they stay open all day because night will not exist there. So yes. even, even uh, some basic um, word studies shows that there's different words being used for night, darkness, and um, even the darkness uh, at the beginning of time. There's even two types of light that's even discussed in, um, in Genesis chapter one, right? So, and even when you get into Exodus and you're looking at um, the plague, of darkness there is commentary to suggest that there was light for the israelites and when they would go into one of the homes to the egyptian homes to get something whether it was gold or the the clothing as 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 happened right there towards the end they would bring mm -hmm. that light into the house and so it was almost a favor of the of the israelites coming into the house and the egyptians going okay thanks for being in here because now you're giving me something to actually see and not only that but something to feel because the, the there was a feeling in this darkness there was something that was even more tangible to it than just simple no light right and so even in this case i haven't done a word study on this but it would definitely beg the fact of going, what night are we talking about here? What type of light or existence of light or non-existence of light are we talking about here? But mm -hmm. um, let's see here. And the honor and splinter of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure may enter it, nor anyone. Okay, the honor and the splendor of the nations will be brought into it. That was another thing that always came up for my thinking regarding the new creation, new recreation. Is that mm -hmm. would we still be identified by our people groups? Potentially, it's a direct I, reference here, right. uh, back to Zechariah fourteen, that mm -hmm. the nations will come and celebrate the feast of tabernacles, and and whoever doesn't is cut off, um, and then and nothing impure will will ever enter. That's direct out of Zechariah fourteen. You want to jump there? Yeah, yeah. Forgive us, folks. Apparently, um, my internet is kind of uh, catching uh -oh. up with itself, so that's on my end. Um, we, yeah, we're actually expecting a big storm tomorrow, so I, I, <laughs> I guess there is some stuff going on in our atmosphere here. But, anyways, um, 
Yeah, because even in, in earlier in Revelation, it talks about how every tribe, tongue, and people will come before the throne and sing holy, holy, holy. And so um, me being so fascinated with languages, we, 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 we hear about what's going on with Asbury right now. And there was a part of that where I had heard that there was an individual or there were a couple of individuals who got up and started singing songs in other languages. Mm. And um, I also had some 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 people I know recently come back from India. And even in some of the services they were a part of, there were anywhere from four to five different languages that were being used in a service. And they would even sing the song. It was kind of wild because what they were explaining to me was, is that in one song, you'd hear all five languages being sung at the exact same time. That's awesome. And it, you, you talk about harmony, right? Talk about harmony. But um, one of the things that it draws my mind to is the fact, and I, I think I've referenced this before, is that um, each language, of course, operates a little differently. You not only have your grammatical syntax being established in different ways, but on top of that, you have words being used differently. Um, for, for example, for us, um, Matt's background is brown. But in a Northern Cree language, which is a First Nations or a Native American language up in uh, Saskatchewan, the wall is browning. It's something that's happening to it. It's a, it turns into a verb. Huh. And so the whole idea, it just it makes me pause and think of going, what's God hearing all at once? And the collage that that creates in thinking. It just, it, it excites me to one end, yes, but at the same time, it makes me pause and wonder, what does this look like to you, Abba? That's and cool. he's already giving us images of what the recreation is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And so while, while I would at one point feel a need to have to see this, right? Get it in my head now and understand it now. <laughs> the idea that I don't have to do that right now and that I get to look forward to it creates that anticipation, right? Absolutely. And you mentioned a couple of instances where you've you've seen this or you've heard about it happening uh, in the same room. Mm -hmm. But as you were just describing it, it made my mind think to how does heavens hear how does heaven hear our praises now? The right. church in China praising at, at midnight, because that's when they have to meet in order to not be found, praising mm -hmm. at the same time as um, a youth group here in the States, or which is doing at the same time as uh, something else in France. And, and in heaven, you're, you're get, you're, I would imagine you would be getting all the different sounds and all the different voices all at the same time, mm -hmm. almost a, a chaotic cacophony if it weren't all praising, if it weren't all yeah. worship. And yeah. so in 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 what you were just explaining about the recreation we're going to get to experience what that sounds like and, and participate in it not just from a we're down here singing in english but we're going to get to hear it in all of the different languages and all of the joy that it is going to entail that's mm -hmm. that's a really cool thought it is a really cool thought and while we were talked about the imagery of the millennial kingdom um even last week, but even as we read earlier in Isaiah 65, um, 
one of the things I was actually talking with my wife about this just the other day. Um, uh, some of my interest has been fantasy, as I mentioned in last week's uh, uh, episode. And um, one of the key aspects of fantasy is that usually when you're looking at landscapes, even landscapes intentionally or unintentionally is going to have some sort of metaphorical or allegorical or even an anal analogous use of it. Sure. And when you look at fantasy, when you have, say, Narnia, you look at Narnia and one of the things, one of the descriptions of it in almost every single book is the vibrancy of color. Mm. The vibrancy that even when the kids would breathe in the air, it would affect them in, in unique ways. Um, in, in uh, let's see, Prince Caspian, they, they, uh, I think it's Edmund who's talking and he's saying, I forgot what it's like to breathe Narnia air because he was feeling the vigor again. Yeah. And you, you look into the last book, uh, the last battle. And even then they said, how could it even, how could this new Narnia be even more vibrant? Whoa. And they start running and they're running faster and they're running faster and they're running faster. And they seem like they're going to go pass through an area, but then they're still in that area and they just keep going deeper into Narnia. And so these landscapes tend to have some different element of what I would call one of the three spheres of what makes up an individual. You've got the spiritual, you got the soulful, and you got the physical. The physical mm -hmm. sense tends to be on the more dull side of things. And the soulful tends to be a little bit more on the ethereal, but the spiritual ends up being this more enhanced dynamic location. And so as a result, if, if, if God is bringing us back into a position to where our souls are being united with our body, and then our spirits are becoming even more alive than what they even are now, which the idea of that is just kind of, whoa, okay. Right. Then what's that going to do for our senses? And then if he's recreating this earth, and if right now our earth right now is under the curse of death and the effect of time and decay, what's it going to look like then? And, and you almost get these images, yeah, of course, of these alien planets of just these very vibrant and vivid colors and maybe even more of these extraterrestrial type plants. And, and even the idea of seeing an anim, a, a lion laying down next to a, a lamb eating hay, you go, what? This is definitely <laughs> something out of a science fiction or a fantasy story. Yeah. But, but when you put these together and, and you begin to allow them to become the collage even in just imagery. One of the things that I've noticed about all of it is, is that there's a beckoning. Uh, Ecclesiastes, I want to say chapter 7, saying that God has put eternity in our in man. Yes. And while we can yet we can yeah we can have the argument again of, of whether that's how that's being measured, whether it's time or whatever it may be, I think it has something to do with going back to Eden in some way and that it's calling us to want to go back to that we my son recently says i want to know jesus better daddy i want to know jesus better and i can understand that hunger and i can understand the hunger that's going on right now in asbury and in, in, in the hunger to want to know god better right yeah. know him deeper I, I have a kind of a funny thing that happens for me there might be some more scientific term or just terminology out there for this 
But when I'm driving, such as yesterday, my wife and I were driving, and we live in a beautiful, beautiful area of the country. We live in northern Utah in a place called Valley, and we're driving by a mountain, and it's covered in snow. And the snow is smooth and everything. It's got these beautiful contours. And it makes me physically hungry. I want to grab the mountain and actually put it in my mouth. Now, I've been told that there's some sort of scientific explanation for that. I don't, I don't understand it. But for me, I tend to get it of what it would be to look and yawn, yearn, excuse me, and, and be beckoned back to Eden. Because it would satisfy something deeper, right? What is it for you that's 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 beckoning you back for recreation, Matt? Because I know for me it tends to be on the more <laughs> food side. <laughs> on the food side and on the, the fantasy side. I love I love the, the pictures that you're putting in our minds as you're describing this. For me, um the the way that God has wired me is um I, I see patterns and and I recognize stuff like that and and I'm a I'm a learner so I read a lot and and when I'm digging into something in depth especially something uh, spiritual or, or biblical that's that's what really um, gets gets me going that's what brings me joy so when I think of the recreation I I, I often think of what we're going to be doing for work because God invented work before the fall. Work is not uh, problematic. Um, so yeah, I it just he about, added toil to it and made it even yes. harder. Yeah. Yes. So, so I wonder what I'm going to be doing. So I'm a pastor and a counselor. I'm not going to have any counseling to do. And nobody's going to have problems. So uh, I just, I want, when I think of it and, and what beckons me or what excites me about it is uh -huh. the intimacy of relationship with God and with, with others. Mm -hmm. um, getting it's really really cool in counseling when um, when I get to help someone through the trauma that they've been in or or whatever they've they've opened yeah. up they've shared the deepest darkest parts of their hearts and together we've walked through it um, and and allowed the Holy Spirit to heal those those things and that's that's just a small taste of seeing them come out the other side and knowing that the relationship that I had with that individual helped them get there. Me plus them plus the Holy Spirit got them to where they are. That's just a tiny little taste of the type of friendship and camaraderie and connectedness that we'll have in the new creation. And that that's what really excites me, to have that with, with each other and to have that with God himself. Mm -hmm. um, it, it boggles the mind. You saying that reminded me of a verse. It was in Ezekiel. I was looking it up. It's uh, chapter 37, verse 27. My home will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Yeah. My home will be with them. And what, what, what a more. I don't want to say this. Some words just, just don't work. You know what I mean? Right. But yes. Even when, even when my wife and I were first married, um, and every, okay, I'm a sad sap, I'm a romantic sap sometimes, <laughs> but when I, when, uh, when my wife will come in or give me a hug or whatever, I know I'm home. I'm home. 
it's not yes we have attachments to our houses right and we we look at the readings of this and it sounds like it's going to be more of a, a egalitarian uh, society there's going to be more of this rural aspect involved you i don't see technology being at, at work <laughs> in the in, in recreation i don't know though um but at the same time it's no longer about the places the the houses are supposed to function as what they're designed to do and um while it's supposed to protect you from the elements it's also a place of gathering and it's more over and over and over again you, you i even heard a, a pastor say this just this past week that the church is not defined by these walls it's defined by the people inside of it and so the whole and, and there's nothing deep i'm going here folks it's just that it's the rumination over the idea that right now we we know of god by his word we have a relationship with god through his word but then to have a relationship with him in the tangible to see him be able to interact with him how much more okay you take over i'm starting to tear up <laughs> i also want to jump what you were just saying um made me think of romans uh 10 i believe mm. just a second to find it okay. uh no romans chapter 11 so uh my okay. family and i have have a huge love for the jewish people and love getting to learn about the old testament the old covenant from the jewish perspective and learning it uh, that kind of thing so when when you were uh just saying that it, it reminded me of um in Romans 11, where it's talking about how um, at, at one point when in the future, when Israel, uh, Israel corporately, the Jewish people corporately are, uh, are unable to, to see certain things right now. But um, mm -hmm. at some point that, that veil is going to be lifted. They're going to get it. Um, right. And uh, chap Romans chapter 11, verse 12. If their transgression leads to riches for the world and their loss riches for the Gentiles, then how much more their fullness? And I, I'm just excited to get to mm. fellowship with Jewish people who recognize uh, the Messiah in 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 that time in in the recreation, yeah. and um, and get to talk to them and and see continue to learn continue to get i don't think we're going to be all knowing in in the new creation because adam wasn't all knowing um before the fall so what, yeah you're i think what, talking about omniscience right yeah yeah I, yeah i yeah, think yeah. i think the passage that says when we see christ we will be made like him in the twinkling of an eye i i think that means we will be made like him in immortality in in new bodies that can't die the the slow decay of aging will stop that that sort of thing i don't think we'll be like him in in um in his divinity obviously um mm -hmm. but so i i look forward to continuing to learn in the new in the new creation and getting to hear stories and teachings and i just you know you're a geek when you're excited to go to heaven to learn more that's all i'm gonna yeah. say about that yeah 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 <laughs> One of the other things that, that this even this verse that you read reminded me of too, 
is that most of my life you hear people say I'm a I'm born out of time or mm. I'm born out of season even. But for me, it's always been a matter of I feel like I've been born out of culture because mm. I've grown up in the United States. I understand its culture. I understand its its gravity towards things and 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 accumulating things and acquiring more and more and more and more. I remember what uh, John D. Rockefeller once said. He was asked by a, a reporter, "When will you have enough?" And he says, "When I have just a little bit more." And yeah. I actually asked that recently of someone I know who's aspiring for wealth, and his mm-hmm. answer was the exact same thing. <laughs> yep, and it just creates this perpetual chase after something that's that even scripture says is the root of all evil now i i i've reflected even as a young child i remember when i first well not when i first heard it but when when i was a child i'd reflect on that verse store up for yourselves treasures in heaven Mm -hmm. and I remember then it was the per they they were describing it in terms of gold and carbuncles. And um, I remember even um, what's it was an old TV show called Gospel Bill. And uh, they they had an episode where they kind of talked about this and and how even one of the characters named Nicodemus is talking about how he's he's putting all this wealth up in heaven. And um, and one of the 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 quote bad guy of the show overhears him in his prayers saying, God, I'm just looking forward to storing up that gold in heaven. And, and and the guy's name is Luther Bedlow. And Luther Bedlow says to his sidekick, Cornpone, he says, uh, did you hear that, Cornpone? He's, he's got gold. He's got silver. We got to find this. Stuff. Oh, my and, goodness. But, but and, and I'm not trying to discount what Nicodemus and, and what a lot of people believe as to what wealth could be. But it, for me, it becomes even more this richness of relationships. It becomes this richness of life. It's not about the material. Right. When I'm seeing treasures in heaven, it's not me building up the idea of there's this this, this kind of like for Harry Potter, there's this 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 uh, uh, bank vault full of gold that's slowly acquiring gold based on interest. It's me building up this opportunity of going there and experience a richness of life that I wouldn't have here. And how much more richer will that life be based on those treasures that are building up? Right. Yeah. But then I'm at the same time, as I said earlier, I'm not trying to discount the possibility that, that there could be wealth. I, I I don't know. But I don't think it's going to have the same effect then as it as it does now. Right? Absolutely. So absolutely. But uh man, it's yeah. just exciting. <laughs> I can't wait. I mean, I it's can't wait, exciting. but I don't want to wait. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um really I think we could end there, couldn't we? We could end on that note of just going, we just can't wait to get there. Can't wait to get yeah. to heaven. That I, I believe that's an old hymn. Um, yeah. And um, it's... And we'll echo what John said at the end of Revelation. Mm. The, the Spirit says, come, and the church says, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen to that. So, thank well, you, folks, listening we... audience, for being along with us on this journey as we've gone through the, the eschatos. Uh, we we hope that you'll enjoy our next series uh, of conversations. Keep tuning in with us as we continue to explore scripture, ask good questions, hard questions that we may or may not be able to answer, but be able to have open, honest conversations about about the text and about uh, about faith. 
So join us next time, whether you have a beard or not. We, we will see you back here next time on the Bearded Bible Brothers. Take care.